Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the second Sunday of Easter, and we also celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday, in which we recognize God's overwhelming mercy for each and every one of us. Now if you turn to the Gospel, we're still reading from John's Gospel, and the story that we have for today is a theological masterpiece that is incredibly spiritually in-depth. Now in this one story, we essentially have two stories. The first story is Jesus Christ forgiving his apostles and helping us understand how overwhelming God's mercy and love is for us all. The second story is about doubting Thomas. Gregory the Great had a wonderful line. He said, The disbelief of Thomas has benefited the church more than the belief of all the other apostles combined. There's just something compelling on the fact that Thomas immediately started out with disbelief. And then, at the end, he was given the great gift of seeing the Lord and making that profound statement, My Lord and my God. Now notice how the Gospel begins. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week. Well, stop right there. Again, just like last week, John is reminding us the power of the resurrection He's basically stretching all the way back to the story of creation and saying that the resurrection instituted a new creation. After Jesus' resurrection, nothing would be the same. Everything would change. Now notice where the apostles are. It says, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Well, the apostles are behind locked doors, hiding. This is a great spiritual symbol of the sinful soul. What does sin do? It locks us in on ourselves. We think only about ourselves. Everything is about me, my ego, my pleasure, my wants, my desires. Everything else is secondary to me. Well, the apostles, they're behind locked doors, cowering, afraid. They're more concerned about themselves than continuing the mission of Jesus Christ. Now here lies that great moment of grace and redemption. It says, Jesus came and stood in their midst. And so Jesus, essentially, he transcends time and space. He breaks through any obstacles that we may put up. Now what does this mean for ourselves? Jesus overcomes any obstacles that we may put up, especially the obstacle of sin itself. And Jesus breaks through into our sinful soul in order to heal us, just like he's going to do with the apostles. And that's the whole breadth and depth of his mission. Now notice what he says to them next, Peace be with you. And then it says, He showed them his hands and his side. Now why does he do that? Why does he show the apostles his wounds right away? Well, he wants to show the apostles the effects of sin. 
The wounds of Jesus are a great expression of the world's rejection of Jesus Christ. That's why on Good Friday, we read the Passion. We listen to the brutality of sin. Well, now Jesus shows his wounds to the apostles. And his message to the apostles and us, don't forget the devastating effects of sin. That's why we cannot say, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Well, if that's truly right, then we escape the effects of sin. We are in no need of a Savior. Well, that's so untrue. We're just kidding ourselves. Essentially, we have to recognize our state. And I think Jesus is telling the apostles just that. He's reminding them, each and every one of us, of the state that we are in, that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Now, he says to them, Shalom, peace. He gives them God's forgiveness. It's made available now through Jesus Christ. We are all sinners. Yes, we are. I'll be the first to admit it. But much more importantly, we are loved sinners by God. And Jesus breaks into our life. He overcomes any obstacles that we put up, especially the obstacle of sin. And he says to us the same thing. Peace, shalom, I forgive you. And so therein lies the great moment of forgiveness of sin, the great moment of redemption for us all as Jesus embraces us as sinners and forgives us. Next, it says, The apostles rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Well, when we see the presence of God in our life, in the sacraments, in events, in prayer, in living a life of stewardship, we too rejoice, don't we? We recognize God's presence in our life, and we truly are happy. We are fulfilled. It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Well, the first time Jesus essentially says, Peace be with you to the apostles, he forgives them of their own personal sin of abandoning him. The second time he says, Peace be with you, now the apostles receive the ability to forgive sins. Now remember, the apostles represent the church. And now the church becomes the mediator of Christ in this world to forgive sins. The mission of our church is now taking place to bring the Trinitarian love of God to the world so that each and every one of us can experience the love and the mercy the apostles experienced on this event. And so, from this moment forward, the mission of the apostles and the church was to be that mediator of God's forgiveness and love. You know, that's one of the reasons why we pray the Our Father. We ask for the forgiveness of our sins. At the very measure, we are able to forgive the sins of others. Now, the apostles are reconciled back to Jesus Christ through God's overwhelming mercy and love. The story doesn't stop there. Now the second half of the story begins. The story of doubting Thomas. Now so many people can identify with Thomas. They recognize themselves in St. Thomas. I would argue he is the saint suited for our times in our day and age. Why is that? Well, because many of us tend to be skeptical. 
we're dominated by that scientific and empirical view that unless I see something, study it, analyze it, then I will be able to believe in it. And see, that's Thomas's point of view. And that's why many of us can identify and understand him. Now, notice that detail at the very beginning of the gospel. When Jesus appears to the apostles for the first time, Thomas is not there. He's absent. That's not good. In fact, that's very bad. Jesus is most clearly seen in the church. And Thomas is not with the apostles. He's not in the church. That's why he doesn't believe that the apostles have seen Jesus. Friends, it's a basic biblical truth. Jesus is most clearly seen in the church. And that's a great lesson for us all, for us to remain in the church. Just like the apostles remained together as a church, they clearly saw Jesus Christ present before them, and they believed. Herein lies the great temptation for us all, to set off on our own, to set off on our own ideas, our own preoccupations, our own morals, and leave the church, and then expect to find the presence of God in our life. Well, if we go off on our own and leave the church, it's going to be very difficult for us to clearly see the presence of God in our life or in this world. So where do we find Jesus? In the life of our church. We find Jesus in the life of our sacraments, our doctrine and our dogma, in the lives of the saints, living a life of stewardship. That's where we find Jesus most clearly seen, the risen Lord. We find Jesus in our church across space and time, and not just now in our own present parishes, but Jesus is recognized in our church, stretching for 2,000 years. In fact, stretching across the world. Jesus is clearly seen. Outside the church, the community of believers, it's very difficult for us to see him. And that's why we fall into the trap of St. Thomas. Now, the story continues. It says, Next, a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Well, Jesus, he comes to the apostles again, and he knows that Thomas is filled with skepticism. But notice how he handles Thomas in a very gentle way. In fact, you could say what Jesus does, he comes to Thomas's level of belief. Now, this is very common in the Gospels. Jesus, when he has a one-on-one encounter with an individual, he always is able to go to their level of belief for the express purpose of raising them up and strengthening their faith. Well, that's exactly what he does with Thomas. When he says, put your finger here and see the nail marks, Put your hand and put it into my side. So Thomas does just that. And notice his response. My Lord and my God. There is no greater affirmation of faith. In fact, there, that is the greatest statement of faith in probably the entire Bible. What was Thomas's problem? He wanted Jesus on his terms. 
Remember what Thomas says, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, unless I put my hand into his side, I won't believe. He's really saying, Unless I see Jesus on my terms, I won't believe. Well, we won't get Jesus that way if we're grasping at him according to our terms. Notice what Jesus says to Thomas at the end. Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Jesus is really saying to Thomas, You believe because you have seen my wounds. But how blessed are those who haven't seen and yet still believe? Well, now Jesus is referring to us, to you and myself and to everyone. He is essentially saying, Blessed are we who have received Jesus Christ with faith on Jesus' terms and not our own terms. Friends, this story summarizes Jesus' entire mission, why he came into this world. First and foremost, to forgive our sins and reconcile us back to God. Second, Jesus, he realizes that we always have the potential of being skeptical, and sometimes we are. And yet he comes to our level of faith. Each and every one of us are at different levels of our faith in the spiritual life. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And yet Jesus comes to each and every one of our levels of faith for the express purpose of raising us up so that our faith can increase and become stronger and stronger so that we, like St. Thomas, can utter that great affirmation of faith, my Lord and my God. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.